The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. And without a doubt, this is the most difficult Busted Open episode we've ever had to do. And that is because we lost John Huber, also known as Brody Lee, and in the WWE Luke Harper at the age of 41. We reflect on his life and career, myself, Bully Ray, Tommy Dreamer, Mark Henry, Edge, Seamus, Sammy Callahan. We all talk about the man, John Huber, right now on the Busted Open Podcast. And Bully, you know, you you mentioned before today's show, and usually uh, before a show, you and I are yapping nonstop before the show actually begins. And it was just complete silence for, for 30 minutes before this show started because... I don't even know what to say, <laughs> you know, like usually I thought today we'd be talking about what we did over the uh, over the holiday break. And, you know, and it's 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 unbelievable to think. But when I woke up on Saturday, bully, I woke up with the news that Danny Hodge has passed away. So I actually spent most of Saturday doing a lot of research on Danny Hodge because I was expecting to to talk about him at length on today's show. And you wake up to hear that Danny Hodge has passed away. 88-year-old man, uh, you know, lived life to the fullest, had, a, you know, an amazing career. One of the greatest professional wrestlers, not only just that, one of the greatest amateur wrestlers of all time. They, they have an award named after. It's like the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy for amateur wrestling. And I was, that would have been a celebration of a person's life and a person's career. You know, man that, that lived to 88, you never want to see anybody pass away, but 88, you know, full life, full career. That's where you can celebrate the life and career. I, I I don't know how to wrap my head around, you know, talking about somebody who passed away at the age of 41. I, 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 you know, again, you said this is the, without a doubt, the toughest show that we've ever done with this may be the one of the toughest things I've ever done. I don't know how you, you, you celebrate the life and career of somebody that, that whose life, and career was cut short at just a, a very young age. Uh, but we're, we're, we're going to do our best. And Bully, we've talked about this, I don't know, so many times over the last eight to nine months during this pandemic. And that is that the wrestling world has not been affected. Like, it's unbelievable how even during this pandemic, we found the, the pro wrestling world has found a way to not just survive, but thrive. And then this happens, you know, the day after Christmas where somebody at the age of 41 has passed away in our community. And it's really a wake up call that, you know, it's it's just a wake up call for everybody that, you know, our time, nothing is nothing is promised. 
And it, it's, it, I, 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 like you said, there's going to be a lot of dead air today. Uh, we, we, nothing is planned. Nothing is scripted. We're just talking from our heart and from our head. But I do hope that a lot of fans call in. I do hope a lot of people within the industry call in because this man deserves that for sure. And if, and if you're in the industry and you would like to call in, you can always direct message uh, the Busted Open Twitter account or Dave's Twitter account or my Twitter account, and we, we will give you the hotline number to call in. I, I really think it's important today to hear from wrestlers other than myself who shared a locker room with him and a ring with him and Tommy and Mark. And, I, you know, Dave, one last point. I know, you know, that we have so many things that we want to talk about today uh, is the last couple of years of his career is kind of what bothers me also about his untimely passing because the last few years I don't think went the right way for Brody or Luke I mean the end of the WWE run he basically sat at home for almost a year right yeah that's a lot of time wasted wasted time think about it you pass away at 41 and we're talking about wasted time. That, that, that really hits home with me because I'm one of those people who believes in not wasting any moments of your life because you never know when you're living your last five minutes. Imagine you could see your lifeline right in front of you right now where, okay, here's the day you were born and here's the day you turned 10 and here's the day you got married. Well, with you, it'd be three times. <laughs> you know, and then here's a, you know, and then here's this. Imagine you could see the day that you're going to pass right now. Imagine you knew right now when that day was up. Well, you don't. We don't know. You know, everybody has an expiration date and everything has an expiration date. Imagine you knew right now, would you live life uh, even fuller or to the fullest? Well, that's the point. This guy tried in the business to, I, I guess, perform and live it to the fullest, but so much of his career in the tail end, I feel, was wasted. In the WWE, it seemed a bit wasted because they weren't doing anything with him in a uh uh, for a year and an AEW, I think wasted is the wrong word. I think it was just an un the timing of everything with code, uh, with COVID uh, the pandemic. It was impossible. Yeah. And when they, you know, when they were supposed to, uh, reveal, uh, Brody as the exalted one and COVID kind of throwing a monkey wrench into the entire situation. So I, I look at all the, the you know, the, the quote unquote wasted time. And that really makes me sad for this dude because he loved being a pro wrestler. And I think there's a bigger story around this wasted time that I want to get into a little bit later and how I think the, I think wrestling owners should look at wasted time and the possibility of somebody else passing at a young age. I think they should really take this one to heart when it comes to sitting talent for a long period of time and not using them because you're taking, you're taking time away from somebody and time is not something that we're all going to be blessed with. 
Hi, this is Adam Shine. The Adam Shine Podcast is back for another football season. I'll give you my passionate, hard-hitting takes every week, including picks against the spread and fantasy football advice, all while talking to the biggest guests in all the sports, celebrities, media personalities, diehard football fans on a weekly basis. It's the Adam Shine Podcast with new episodes dropping on Tuesdays. You can listen to the podcast anytime with the SiriusXM app, iTunes, Pandora, and with Stitcher. We had uh, Brody Lee on about six months ago here on Busted Open. Mark and I were talking to him, um, and he talked about his son. So let's play a clip of when we had him on, like I said, about six months ago right here on Busted Open. Nobody pushed for you to be in a place where you're uh, welcomed. And, and um, you know, I've always, you know, had a good relationship with you. And I, I think that. Seeing you down the road is 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 where your greatest uh, accolades are going to be. I really appreciate that, and I know my son is looking forward to seeing you as well. So, <laughs> tell my man you. Brody that I miss him. <laughs> he can reach out to me anytime. Y'all got my number. He's the, he's the happiest one of the group that my name is now Brody Lee because now he calls himself Brody Lee Junior. Oh, I like that. I like I love that. It. That is I awesome. Love it. I'm I'm just glad to have you back wrestling. You know, yeah, like man. you know, so so many times. You know, you know, the, the only time I got to really kind of see you wrestle was on house shows. You know, not seeing you on TV for as a fan was rough. But you know, we I kind of called you the king of the house shows because you kind of shined right. and were the MVP for a lot of those shows. But now I'm just so happy to see you on TV, and not just on TV, Brody, but but main eventing. You know where you should be, and it, it's it's your rightful place. You deserve that. And that's the thing. People wanted to tell me how upset I was. They loved telling me, oh, you were so upset with WWE and that, you know, they mistreated you. No, no, they, no, they didn't. And I wasn't upset. I just wanted to wrestle. More. I'm a professional why, wrestler. And why I would wanted you not to want more? While I still had the opportunity. Yeah. I, I, you Everybody know, like, wants more. I'm not going to be able to do this forever. Right. And I'm not going to be able to do this forever. So I needed to do it while I still can. And I knew, I, and, and like I told you, I knew I was good at it. I knew I was great at it. So, Fuck it, let's do it. Uh, I, I, first of all, bully, hearing his voice, you know, you know, you know, listening back to a man who has just passed, and then hearing his voice just from six months ago here on this show is heartbreaking. And then going back to what you were just saying, bully, about wasted talent, and when you know you have talent, use it, and if you're not going to use it, let that person move on. And then to hear about, you know, that for a time period, he wasn't being used. So we we just didn't see him in the prime of his career is is heartbreaking. And then, well, I mean, like, like he said, he, he said, fuck it. I, and I know I'm good. Think about that, bully. He He's saying, I know I'm good at this. So that means at, at some point he had doubt. In, uh, like he must have had doubt. Like, you know, but why am I not being, I'm good. I know I'm of, good at this. Why am I not being used? You, of course you have doubt when you, when you've been, when you're, we're in the Wyatt family and you were being used the way you were. And when you were tearing the house down against the shield and all of these things that you were doing at the top of the card. And now all of a sudden, everything's been ripped away from you. I guess they tried the bludgeon brothers thing and whatever that, that just, you know, that was around for a hot minute, but now you're sitting at home. 
of course that doubt is going to seep in real quick. And to hear him say, I'm not going to be able to do this forever. Could you imagine if you could hit the pause button right there? And then tell him, well, actually, John, you're only going to do this till you're 41. That's, the, that's what we have to really think about when it comes to, I get, listen, when it comes to life, period. But this is a pro wrestling show. We talk about pro wrestling, and John Huber was a professional wrestler. So maybe instead of taking talents and not utilizing them to their maximum potential, if you don't know what you're going to do with them, let them go. Because I don't think anybody wants a situation on their hands where they're like, well, I was responsible for keeping this person at home for such a long, long time. He was so passionate about wrestling and he couldn't do one of the things that he loved as much as he did because now his life is over. Don't get me wrong. He got to spend a lot of time with his family and he got paid for the amount of time that he was home, but he was not genuinely happy with his profession. But you know what, though, Bully? Let's look at the second half. Like you said about, let's pause that for a second, but let's listen to the the, the, the end of that. And that fact is, like I brought it up, like now you're with AEW and you're a main eventer where he should have always had been in the main event. And, and he was able to get that opportunity at the end of his career, ultimately at the end of his life. You know, he was in a, a, a main event on a pay-per-view. He he held a champ. He held championship gold with AEW. It's it's almost like God was looking down and said, "You know what? You've been through a lot of shit, man. You know what? So for this brief period that you're with this company, everything that you should have already have had, you're gonna have now." And it does feel that way. Like think about it. In that short period that he was with AEW, and all of this was during the pandemic. You know, he comes, he's in a main event on a pay-per-view, he's holding championship gold. You know, his final match, which I think is one of the best matches in AEW, in the short history of AEW, that dog collar match with Cody. Like, you look back at what he was able to do in that cup of coffee with AEW, all the accolades happen, which he should have been getting his entire career. I mean, at least at least he was able to finish with that, and at least he was able to get that opportunity. It it didn't end, Bully, with him sitting at home. It ended with him on national TV. It ended with him with in main events, and it ended with him with championship gold around his waist. There is no doubt that some of the time that was wasted towards the end of the WWE run, run or some of the the happiness that he could have achieved during that time was definitely taken advantage of in AEW. I'm sure he was a con- completely different person mentally in AEW. I'm sure he found that smile again, found his happiness. Listen, everybody that we speak to who works within AEW seems to be having the time of their life because of the, you know, the atmosphere, the culture backstage, how um, ownership treats the talent and how the talent treats each other. So I'm definitely, it's, um, it's good to know that at least the last year of his career was spent doing something that he loved the way he would have loved to do it. 
Hey, everybody, this is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic fires it into Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. For me, I've known uh, Brody since uh, the Indies. He was always a guy that caught my eye because, of course, his size and his look. And I don't remember exactly where I met him, but I know it was on the Indies, and I kind of followed his independent career from his home company, which would be 2CW. I saw him in CZW. I saw him in Chikara. Uh, where he kind of went by the name Big Rig. And then he got signed by Ring of Honor. So everyone was kind of happy for him. I think the best part about um, and why people are so sad, the best part is we got to follow his career as it began because of social media, because of the internet. So he felt like he was one of our guys because for the wrestlers and the wrestling community, we all were like, man, this guy's going to make it. And he did it the right way. He did it the way you're supposed to do it. You, you pay your dues in the indies. Uh, I remember working for a company in Pittsburgh that Justin Labar worked with a lot, uh, IWC. And I would always see him there, you know, because of, of all the drives and, and being packed in the car with your friends. And that's where you have some of uh, your greatest fun times or, or life moments. But again, a guy who you always saw. And then when he got signed to WWE, everyone on the Indies was like, man, they're so happy for the guy. Because again, he was such a nice person. And then, you know, coming up through FCW and then the whole Wyatt family, everybody was very, very happy. This group was unique. It was different, which was what, you know, a lot of people have been clamoring for for a long, long time. And then to see him, uh, almost like the internet rejoice, even though it was for a heel when he won the intercontinental championship, because he was one of those guys. And I don't, I don't say this a lot that deserved of the title and deserved that recognition because everyone saw the talent ability in him. And uh, that was a short lived reign. Um, the Wyatt family was a super duper awesome group. He came back as a, bludgeon brothers which was kind of eh not for the team just because of like kind of saddled with a gimmick um that was just kind of eh but the, the guy could work and the guy could wrestle um i remember when i went and that was five years ago back to the wwe bubba had put together this whole thing with uh, him and the wyatts it was probably one of my more enjoyable times in the wwe because Everything that was told to me happened and it was our jobs to take those guys to the next level. And when we had two really, really good matches, but the last match was one of the best I felt. And we worked on house shows together. He was a lot of fun in the ring, but the, the last match we did in Philadelphia was to me, one of my favorites because I remember we're all putting the stuff, you know, together. <clears throat> I was getting power slammed through the barricade. 
I'm taking all these crazy bumps. And I was like, guys, you know, I'm taking all the craziest bumps. And Bubba looks at me and he was just kind of like, well, you really don't work here. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, thanks, Bub. And I was like, yeah, it's more because I don't matter. And I wanted to do the Death Valley driver off the stage through a table. And he was like, I'll do it. They don't care about me either, Dreamer. Ha, ha, ha. And we did it. It's been my profile uh, on my Twitter page forever just because someone got a perfect shot of it. And uh, I really enjoyed working with him. And when you work with somebody, you can truly see how talented they are. And so social media during these times helps you, like I said, heal. But like some people were like, if this guy was in the seventies, he would main event against Bruno at the garden or Bob Backlund in the garden uh, or Hulk Hogan in the, you know, eighties and nineties. Yeah. I was like, wow, that is so true because of his size, because of the things he could do. Uh, and he was a big man that could move for me too. It was also like, uh, you could see everybody telling jokes and, and doing things uh, as well as his locker room leadership. A lot of wrestlers in WWE, as well as in AEW, you, you, you look at a lot of guys in the dark order, what he has done for them. Uh, I just, before I came on the air, I read something that John Silver wrote that he brought him these matching outfits. It cost him $1,000 that he bought it to get his act over. Or Cesaro posted that he always wore a brand new T-shirt when he was Luke Harper, but he took a long time to prepare it to make it look like it was dirty, but it was clean. And it was like, he hated when people would rip them. And of course here's Cesaro ripping it uh, for me too. I remember I was like, Hey man, I want to take your black hole slam. Cause it's one of my favorite things to take. And I haven't taken it, you know, uh, because abyss. And I go, he'll get really, really jealous. And he's like, Oh, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, I also remember him putting me through the table in Boston at uh, the TLC show. And he was just like, yeah, I'll do a suicide dive through the ropes and I'll just drive you through the table. And at first I was like, mm, how is this going to be? Cause don't worry about it. And I didn't worry about it. And he drove me through a table, but a guy that big to just do a suicide dive, um, you know, through the ring. And we had to be kind of far too, because of where the tables were, were propped up. Super duper talented guy. Um, some of his closer friends wrote like the things he loved and everyone's talking about his family. And then it was wrestling. Then it was hockey. That's why I'm sporting a nice Toronto Maple Leaf shirt today for him. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, Doug Gilmore, the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, reached out to, to share his condolences. It's amazing and I, and I said it with Tracy Smothers, and I'll say it with uh, Brody as well, how one person can touch and affect so many. And if you go and read all the Wyatt's posts, Braun, Bray, and Rowan, it's, uh, you could really feel how a, their sadness, but how much of a leader he was for that group. Because, again, those guys really weren't on the independent scene uh, when I wrestled Braun, it was literally his fifth match he's ever had, not on television, he ever had. And here I am having a singles with Braun. And, and then Braun is, you know, I asked Luke because of, you know, hey, man, how is he? He's like, oh, he's he's green. And I was like, <laughs> OK, thanks. 
but you you read about the leadership uh, that he had with those guys was uh, really really um, cool because it was my job as the veteran. I'm I was 45, 46 years old coming back to the WWE to try to help get them over. But here's a guy within that group trying to teach and learn and help get himself and that group over, which is uh, he did a great job at that. Yeah, and you you mentioned, too, about what he was able to do even prior to the WWE. Uh, Sammy Callahan's going to join us later on in the show. And the reason I asked Sammy to come on was because the first time I had ever seen, uh, you know, Brody Lee was at the Ace Arena in Union, New Jersey. Literally, Tommy, in front of 30 people had to be in that. First of all, the place only holds 50. So there's probably 30 people in, in attendance that night against Sammy and you when I first saw him you knew that this was going to be somebody special because like you mentioned if this was a different era Brody Lee would have been main eventing at the garden against Bruno or Hogan or Bob Backlund like he was that special he had size he had quickness the things he was able to do in the ring and the presence that he had as well how unique he looked that character that personality um I'm glad he had that run in AEW, Tommy. Bully and I spoke about it because that was probably the only time he was, you know, outside the Wyatt family that he was used the right way, you know, where he was main eventing a pay-per-view, where he did have a championship run. I'm glad that he had those moments with AEW at the end of his career. Absolutely. I think the saddest part was because the best was yet to come from him when he debuted in AEW, it got a lot of buzz, and that's what AEW needed and wanted. The I remember you and I talking about uh, the match he had, the first match he had um, on the main event stage where he got choked out. We're like, how do you choke him out right away? And, and you know, it, it's, it's funny because that choke out had no effect on – his career in AEW and it would continue, you know, his match that he had with Cody was awesome. And, you, you know, you, you see a lot of like the Arn Anderson said a lot of cool stuff on social media, but also being again, super respectful for the men and women that helped pave the way for him to be there because yes, he was a wrestling fan as well. And again, being a leader, doing the right thing, the, the hardest thing, for me about someone when they pass like this is because of his kids. And I've already seen, you know, Tony Khan and AEW is, is going out of their way for their family and rightfully so. And I know that they will continue. I've seen, uh, you know, certain CM punks already putting up, Hey, all my proceeds to my shirt are going to go to his family. Uh, again, the wrestling community like this coming together, uh, it, during a tragedy is cool. Yes, you guys were talking about it shouldn't take a tragedy. But I think because right away we have this effect. But then as the months go go by, I don't want to say people forget, but we move forward. But that won't help, you know, his his family and his sons heal. So for those who if you ever have the opportunity to meet them, you you tell them what a special person his father was. And, you know, there, there's just... It's so hard to deal with stuff like this. You know, someone also put out there, there's been 36 wrestlers that have passed away this year. 
And that's horrible. Uh, it's just, it, it's a crap, crappy thing to think about. But, you know, during, uh, I say this all the time, after 9-11, it was Vince McMahon who said, it's our job to put smiles on people's faces. And, you know, Brody kind of had that old school vibe as well. And, and he would want us to move forward as long as his kids are taken care of too. But that's kind of, you know, that would be my mentality of, Hey man, just make sure my family is taken care of. My kids are taken care of and, and you know, and keep enjoying life. You, you know, sometimes my memory is a little shot, but you know, certain things will joggle my memory having Tommy on right now. Yesterday, in my Facebook memories, something popped up from five years ago. Five years ago, I think last night, me, Tommy, and Devon were in the ring with the Wyatt family in Madison Square Garden. Wow. It was the Christmas show at the Garden. So like when Tommy just came on, it, it, it reminded me of that Facebook memory. So that Christmas show at the Garden is, is a show that all the boys look forward to, fans look forward to. Yep. So here you are working in Madison Square Garden with this guy five years ago, and now here we are talking about an untimely passing. Um, and as a 49-year-old guy, talking about the passing of a 41-year-old guy, it makes you look at your own mortality, which I've done for a long time because I've always been kind of, I, I know this may sound a little morbid, a little bit fascinated by the whole, you know, death thing and when it can happen at any time and living, you know, life to the fullest. That's why this one is so much different. Yes, Danny Hodge did pass away, but Danny Hodge was up there in age and had a great life. This guy, as Tommy said, you know, there were so many more memories to come that we were looking forward to. That's what makes it sad. And I can't relate to the whole kids thing. I don't know that emotion that Tommy knows having two daughters. That's something I can't even speak to. I can say how it must feel really bad or, you know, I can, I can put all this words, 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 blah, blah, blah to it, but I don't know that emotion. I don't have children. It's, it's that um, much, I'm sure it's that much more difficult. Of course. And, you know, like we can, and Tommy, you, obviously you could speak this because, uh, you know, I call you the heart and soul of pro wrestling for a reason, but you have a family as well. And that, that feeling of knowing that, you know, they're dependent on you that, they, you know, that, you know, you know, kids need, you know, their parents and it's, it's, and these are two young sons that he had Tommy, like, like we could talk about his career till we're blue in the face. He did enough in those, in those years that we could fill up three hours easily and talk about the accolades and the moments and the matches and everything else. But knowing that, you know, his wife is without a husband, knowing that, his two sons are without a father. It, that breaks your heart beyond belief. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, wrestling in the 90s, we were losing wrestlers left and right because of drugs. And I have firsthand seen the results of those children growing up without their parents. And 
it sucks. It really does because you think of how life could have been different, but that was, you know, Hey, my father or mother was a drug addict and, you know, their lives were, were thrown away. Here's a guy who wasn't that. And, you know, again, uh, JR posted a picture about he was at the Jaguars game with uh, Brody Jr. And, you know, I think about how much love and affinity at that age I had for professional wrestlers. And the fact that most of our heroes are our, our father uh, or mother when we're younger. And to have your father as that hero on television, like I was just like, wow, that was so cool. And then we have to deal with what we're dealing with today. That's devastating. It really, really is. It's, and that's why, you know, when the wrestling community gets together, um, it's so important because of for, for the children. And, and like I said, to tell them, to help them of the greatness of your dad. Yeah. And, and I couldn't sleep at all last night because, you know, thinking of him and I was thinking to myself, God forbid, if I were to pass away, what, what would my daughter do? What would my wife do? And it, it's those things that you have to think about. And at the age of 41, Tommy, um, Someone is joining us on the show right now, a friend of the show, uh, Edge, joins us here on Busted Open. And, and thank you so much for, for joining us this morning at this tough tough time, this tough show. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. You know, it's um, I wish it was a different reason. Um, but, uh, you know, and hearing what you said, Dave, it, it, same thing, you know, um, I couldn't sleep and I haven't really been able to just because as a dad, as a friend, as all of those things, like you just go, Oh my God, like this is not the way this is supposed to go. Um, you know, and I, I feel underqualified in a way cause I was never on the road with John, but I just, man, every time I got a chance to sit with that guy, we just had so much fun. And I realized, and, and you guys will know, this is like the ultimate compliment. When you meet a guy and go, if I were on the road, we'd be riding together. Wow. And, yeah. you know, like that, that's, that's when you know that you, you have a connection with somebody, right? Um, you could just tell what he brought to the locker room. And, and again, I'm underqualified in talking about that. I know, you know, guys like the New Day and Owens and all these guys just seeing the outpouring of love and affection and the stories. And it, it just, it, it's heartbreaking because you know just from hearing and seeing all those comments how solid he was. And I can just speak from my experiences. Just, he was just a good, good, solid father uh talented performer i mean just on so many levels man and, and to see the outpouring of you know love and every uh, and affection for this guy it just speaks volumes to be in an industry for 20 years and have literally no one be able to say a bad thing about you is huge as as we can all attest and and i'd like to think that like shows like this and and social media comments and everything can be a time capsule for his boys to go back one day and read and go wow our dad made a difference in a lot of lives. And if nothing else can be taken from a time like this, I guess it's that. 
Adam, from the amount of time that you did get to spend with him in the locker room, what did you guys talk about? You know, uh, was it was it more wrestling related? Was it more family related? Family, family, hockey, and uh, music. Um, it, it never really got to wrestling unless I said, "Dude, why are you not working Taker at WrestleMania? How is that not happening?" You know, stuff like that. But it, it was it was family. It was Rochester, New York. It was Toronto. It was the Maple Leafs. It was Doug Gilmore. It was stuff that we both enjoyed. And and that's I, one of the reasons why we connected so quickly is because we had so many similar interests. You know, like, you know, he'd, he'd text me and say, hey, the Foo Fighters are in town. Uh, do you think, uh, you know, we, we could go to the show? Like, we'll pay. And I was like, you're not paying, but... That's one of those deals where you got a connection to someone that helped, you know, write Smells Like Teen Spirit, right? You don't, you don't want to screw that connection up. They're your buddies, right? I had no problem, you know, saying, yeah, man, here, go, have fun. And everybody in the organization contacted me and said, Amanda and John were amazing. You know, that, that's huge. Like, they reached out to me after the fact to tell me how awesome these people were that that came to the show you know and uh it's it's that that's the kind of stuff we talked about you know um and, and having uh joined fatherhood later in life you know he he was already had gone through some of the things that i was going through even though he was younger than me um and and um that's just stuff like that you know we had him on the pod and and he was so much fun to talk to on that and i've had a lot of people reach out and go man like we were fans of the guy but listening to that we became fans of the man um and i think that's what we're seeing is the man behind the character everybody could watch his stuff and and know how talented he was i remember reaching out to him and ziggler after their ladder match going guys that was just so good um but hearing the the stories of the man i think uh that that's just what has resonated with me um, because I realized it was, it wasn't just me. It wasn't just because I'm some guy who did okay in the wrestling business and would come back to visit. He was just being cool because that's what you're supposed to do. He was just that way to everybody. Hey everyone, this is Nicole Auerbach and I want to invite you inside the coaches clubhouse, a brand new podcast from Sirius XM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Seamus, right now, here on Busted Open. Uh, thank you, sir, uh, for joining us this morning. Hey, lads, how's it going? Uh, appreciate it. I, I know this is a tough day. This is a tough time. And um, obviously, this whole show has been dedicated to the man, John Huber, uh, formerly Luke Harper in the WWE, and I know somebody that you worked with closely. If, if you have any anything you want to share, please, uh, we appreciate it. I mean, have you seen all the, the heartfelt, uh, you know, comments by people and posts by people, and it's still going on. It just shows how much uh, John meant to everybody. Um, he was a guy with no ego. He was literally the guy that uh, everybody wants to be around. And um, sometimes even our business, it's like, you know, 
lot of the guys, Tommy knows and Bully knows, will butt heads, butt heads with other people, but like no one, you know, we, we have to have a serious problem to butt heads with John. Um, the biggest thing for me knowing about him was uh, how much, uh, how much, how much of a great family man he was. Like he literally brought his wife and kids. Uh, around as much as possible, especially um, before his second job was born. Brody was always around him. Brody was in the locker room all the time. And a kid, the kid was awesome. And that, that was a reflection on his die, you know. Um, but my first, uh, my first um, kind of like interaction with John was in NXT. I got, NXT was in the infancy stage in Orlando at Full Sail. And I got asked to go down to do like to, to, to come on the shows, you know, have a match. And I was supposed to wrestle Bray Wyatt actually. And Bray got hurt earlier on in, in uh, the physicality, whatever happened. It's it's seven years ago now. But John stepped in and we literally had like about ten minutes um before we had to go ten, fifteen minutes before we had to wrestle. Um and I got to get in the ring with him and uh, Dude, I was like, my eyes were literally wide open. He, I, I couldn't believe how good this guy was. Like I heard, things, I heard stories about Bray Rowan and and, and John, but uh, like when I got in there, dude, it was it was awesome. He was just like unbelievable in the ring. Great big man, moved around like a uh, like a cruiserweight and could do stuff, you know, that like not many people his size could do. And on top of that, his it just his demeanor and, and the ring and everything and his character was, was awesome. I knew he was going to be a huge deal in the business. And I hadn't really come across him in ROH or any other promotions that he'd done before, but like he was, he was phenomenal. And I'm just glad we, I'm glad we got, got to have that match. Cause, uh, he definitely, um, he definitely hit me. <laughs> he definitely hit me. It's hard to be good in the ring. And, um, you know, physicality wise, I love that, you know, I'm going to just keep talking here, lads, and that's something. Seamus, from your perspective, what was it about John that, what about his personality made him so universally loved? I just think he was just, he was just so chill all the time, man. He was just like very relaxed. Nothing got to John, you know? Like, and if it did, you know, he wouldn't really sell it, you know? He was, because I know it's kind of always the, the, the voice of reason, you know what I mean? The calmness, and uh, and everybody kind of like confided in him. Everyone wants to be around them, um, you know. And he like he'd, he'd tell you straight up as well. Like he wouldn't hold back his punches. He'd, he'd tell you straight up if you know if you pissed him off or anything, you know, that bothered him. Like would you? He'd just straight up tell you, like you know, I don't appreciate this, I don't appreciate that. And I, you know, I'm trying to figure out, like, I'm trying to think, like, he, you know, he's kind of like. The guy that everybody would just, you know, want to want to be around, you know. Very, James, very I see uh, a, a lot, lot of. of, the of, pit, of the pit. Sorry. No, no, no. Um, I see a lot of the pictures that the boys are posting, and I love it, and uh, makes me miss everybody so so much. Just because uh, Jericho posted the picture of everybody, like you know, uh, Luke was upset he didn't have a t-shirt in mexico so everyone made up t-shirts of him you're right i mean everybody has an awesome john story you know everybody not not one person that i didn't that didn't love john you know shamo shamo um edge was just on and he said that the biggest compliment that he could have possibly paid to john was 
after, you know, spending some time with him in the locker room, he said, wow, I could see myself driving with this guy. We spend so much time on the road with one another and in a car together. Was that the kind of relationship that you had with him? Would you be able to travel with him and spend time in the car and in the hotels and in the gyms with him? Oh, my God. 100%. Easy. That's what I was saying. He's literally the most, he was literally the most chillest guy, the coolest guy you could ever imagine. Like, as I said, everybody wants to be around him. Um, there was never any drama with him, never never any, any issues. Like, he was, he just, like, he always went out of his way to, you know, cheer people up. He was, he was funny. He had always cracking jokes. Um, and uh, he just, he was the most feel-good guy to be had in the locker room. Like, yeah, and it, it just, you know, when he brought his family around all the time as well, you could see, like, you could see in his son, Brody, like, he just, his kid was awesome. He was hanging out of everybody, but it just, like, just what a, what an awesome, like, um, positive vibe he brought. You, you could see in his kid, too, you know, it's a reflection on him and how positive he was and, uh, you know, and how great he treated his kids, you know what I mean? And how, how, how he basically gave him so much confidence and, and they're just felt so full of, like, you know, life, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, of course, absolutely. Everybody wants to be around John. Everybody wants to be talking to him. Everybody wants his opinion. Everybody wants feedback from him. And everyone wants to sit around and joke with him. Hey, everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences, past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and Apple Podcasts. 41 years old, Mark, and it, it really puts things into perspective. It does. You know, like, you know, my pastor that I grew up with said that, you know, um, when we're birth, we live, but we didn't really come here to live. Like we, 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 we were dying every minute after that birth and you have to, uh, learn to live with death, especially when you get to be a 50 year old person, all the people that reared you that, you know, tried to educate you, tried to nurture you. They're, you know, usually in their eighties, you know, and they start and you have to, the, the whole cycle of death starts, uh, usually when you half, you half a hundred. So, um, but when it happens to somebody young, you just feel like, dang, like it was too soon. How many times that we say, is it, is it, we, we joke all the time. Is it, is it too soon? Yeah. Yeah. It's too soon. 41 It's way too soon. So, um, with a somber heart, you know, like I, I'm trying my best to, um, to keep it light because, you know, man, I love that brother, but we had so much fun, man. Golly, what a fun dude. You know, like there's been a lot of the boys and bullet can attest to this that you say something to him 20 minutes later it's 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 one of those stirred pot instances where it's some bullshit and you you want to end up fighting him never with him 
Never. If you say something in confidence to him, is he's legitimately trying to come up with a, a helpful solution. Um, I talked to him um, maybe three months ago, you know, just saying, congratulations, man. You landed on your feet, you know, you know, keep doing your thing. And he was like, Mark, this, this is gonna, this is gonna come to you as a, a bit of a shock, but uh, you have to watch the um, ESPN it's coming on. It's a big deal. Uh, the world cornhole championships are on television. Now he said, we made it. Our game is there's a world championship. We have a chance. And I'm just like, what, are you, what is wrong with you? And like, he's hilarious. He was so funny. Like, I mean, I, I, I feel for his wife. I feel for the kids. Uh, we talked about the kids. We didn't talk about wrestling. The entire conversation. I, I'm trying to say congratulations, man. Good job landing on your feet. And he's like, um, you know, the Cornhole World Championship is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's him. And then we start talking about the kid. He says, hey, man, Brody is amateur wrestling. Like, is we're, we're killing it. He's like, he's doing a good job, man. He's had like a couple of pins and and I was like, yeah, man, Jacob is wrestling. He was like, oh, I can see the tag team now. Of course, you know, Jacob is going to have to do all the bumping and feeding. So, you know, like, it was like, that's, that's the dude. He's hilarious. He's a good man. He's so funny. And like every, every major show, the jewel events, if you will, um, our families sat next to each other. Like we, we just enjoyed being together and I, I feel for them, but they, you know, they, they're not going to be forgotten. You know, that's, that's the thing, you know, is wrestling uh, has a lot of jargon in it. You know, Hey Dave, man, love you, man. You're the best. And in the wrestling world, there's a lot of that, but there's not a lot of, Hey man, did you get did you get my gift? Did you did you get my card? Did you you know did you get the text I sent you yesterday? Like com, you know, real dialogue, real relationship. So all bully bully just set the set the radio on fire just a second ago. He yeah. said that if you got five minutes. You got five minutes left. What would you do? Who would you call? And my thing is, my question to his question, which is that's not the way it's supposed to go. You're supposed to give an answer and then have other stuff to say. But I got to put another question. Do you think in five minutes you'll be able to call everybody you love? Nope. Nope. Boy, you're a brilliant man. He said, nope. (laughs) (laughs) He's right. You ain't going to be able to do it. Now, there's some people that don't touch the love stratosphere. They touch the respect stratosphere. They, They touch the 
Um, I appreciate you, Stratosphere. Thank you. Just the thank yous. Man, I got 150 thank yous right now. I guarantee you I can go through my phone and call 100 people and say, hey, man, thank you in 88 for um, just encouraging me. And, and we can start at 88. <laughs> I, 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 my family, before 88, I'm sure I could, it's about 20 or 30 of them I could call. So don't, don't wait, guys. Don't wait. Wait for what? I know I've been talking a lot, no, but I, I'm just saying, not. like John, you know, I, I probably called, I probably called Luke John three times and it was all at jewel events. We sitting at the table and everybody's uh, calling everybody their real names. That's like, that's the way wrestling is. <laughs> you, know, you only do it when you're with the family. Like if my wife is present, everybody's Mark, Mark, Mark. But I got people, they call me chocolate. They call me uh, world strongest. Uh, they call all of this stuff. They, they, people don't say Mark Henry or, or Mark, you know? So uh, that's the way it was with John, man. It's like we sat there and, you know, just have a good time with the families. And um, I'm just hoping that today is a uh, a celebration of his life because um, I don't think that the Wyatt family would have been as uh, dominant a thing if it wasn't for him. Bray is beautiful, brilliant. You could tell by even the stuff that he's doing now. He's always going to be unbelievable talent. Luke Luke was was um, was a guy that I always said, man, how can you not have something for him? And I think a lot of it was um, is what happened with me. I was looking at my timeline and one of the big wrestling news letters or whatever dirt sheet uh, <laughs> said, how can you not have anything for Mark Henry? It comes and goes like once he was able to land on his feet at AEW, you saw how great he was. The dude was a talent and it's just an unfortunate thing, man. Like I, I really, Sucks. Really, really sucks, man. There's no there is no other way to put it. Like the guy was a great person and you always hate it when it happens to the good guy. It's like why why the good guy? But you know what? Who better to have in heaven than the good guy? <laughs> you want the angels up there. <laughs> oh man. What do you think, Billy? I um I agree with you know, just about everything that you're saying. Um, I remember working with him. <clears throat> I, 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 I hate talking about myself, but I'll give you a little history. When me and Devon went back, Vince sat me and Devon down and he gave us three very specific directives. He goes, I want you to work with the New Day. I want you to work with the Wyatt family. And I want you to work with the Usos. And I want you to both get them over. 
He was talking to me and Devon. Let's get them over as much as you can. That's your job here for the next year. Had a blast with the New Day. Had a blast with the Wyatts. Had a blast with the Usos. Um, but when it came to John as the standout of the Wyatt family, I know everybody thinks it's Bray, but to me, John was the standout worker. I know yes. I always tried to position myself in the ring with him because first I knew I could take his stuff the best and I knew that he would sell my stuff the best. This is not taking anything away from Bray or Rowan. I just knew I had a chemistry with John during that run with the Wyatt family. And sometimes that chemistry could just be 1% better than it is with another guy, but you want to maximize your potential of that chemistry. I was in the ring with him. So uh, it, that one episode of Monday Night Raw where it was the Dudleys and Rhino and Tommy Dreamer versus the entire Wyatt family in Philadelphia in a Philly street fight. And I'm proud to say a three-segment match on Monday Night Raw. We tore the house down with those guys. And Tommy and, and, Tommy and, uh, and, uh, and, and Harper got to do a lot of stuff together. I got to do a lot of stuff together in that match with him. I re I remember before we had gotten back to WWE, uh, Harper and Rowan hitting the 3D on house shows and people flooding my timeline like, oh, Bob is going to be mad. Bob is going to be mad. And I wasn't mad. I don't care. Hit, I, hit the move all you want. And then when we got to WWE, I remember talking to, to, to John, to Luke Harper, and I'm like, why did you guys do that? He goes, we were trying to stir shit up. We were trying to get your attention. We were trying to get anybody's attention because, you know, we just wanted to do something with you guys. I was like, well, it worked. Thanks for getting us our <laughs> jobs back. So um, nothing but good memories. I'm just trying to share, share some stories now that come, you know, rushing back. He was a pleasure to do business with. And when I say do business with, I don't mean in the ring. I mean, in the back before mm -hmm. you go to the ring, uh, a good person to talk with great ideas, uh, a good rapport, a respect level. Uh, hey, let's try this. Well, I don't agree with that. Let's try the, you know, that good back and forth that you need with somebody. Very a very good negotiator. And that's what you have to be. You need to be a politician and a negotiator when it comes to wrestling, because everything that we do out there is discussed, negotiated before we go out there. And listen, you have to do your stuff and I have to do my stuff and you have to look good and I have to look good. And if you win, I still have to look good on the way and vice versa. Really, that he, don't that don't fit you, man. That don't fit you. <laughs> How about this? <laughs> we do this and then. It'll segue into that, and it. <laughs> you can't beat it. You can't beat it. Like I, I can hear him right before he was sitting here. Yep. Like he knew how to do that. And if you punched him, if you kicked him, if you slammed him, if you suplexed him, you got a true reaction to what happened. And he was not going to move. He was going to move and sell and, and reach and climb. But he wasn't going nowhere. You knew where he was going to be. Like he was, a, he was a savant. And anybody that's going to talk about him are going to talk about how great his work was. You said it just a second ago. 
you had a chemistry with him. It, it, you know what? It, it, it wasn't just the chemistry between you guys. I watch y'all work a lot. It wasn't just the chemistry. It was the safety factor, and it was the confidence that a guy of his size could do all the things that he could do. It was a comfortability. It was like a crutch. You knew if you're in there with Luke, nothing was going to break down. And even if it did break down, he could cover it. He could fix it on the fly. There's been a bunch of guys like that in in the business that 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 we both work with. But tell me a big guy. Kane, Taker. You start naming historical figures to compare his abilities with. <laughs> Is that am I am I reaching? No, he was really good at what he did and yeah. I'm not I'm not just saying that because the guy is not with us anymore. No if that wasn't the truth, I would find a different way to say it. He was really good at what he did and that's why yeah. or everybody and anybody from the boys to fans would be like in plain English, what the fuck went wrong? In, with, in his in tail end of his WWE run. Like, how do you have a guy like that and ha- not have anything for him? How do you have a guy like that writing a love letter to the wrestling industry about how he's treating an NXT match at WrestleMania access as his WrestleMania? Like, wait a minute. You were part of the Wyatt family. You were way up here. Now you're way down here? W- w- what went wrong? Who did you piss off? You didn't piss off anybody. Mm-mm. Hey everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host Kirk Morrison, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Early on in the show, I talked about a certain match that I saw at the Ace Arena in Union, New Jersey about a decade ago in front of about 30 fans, and that was against him, Brody Lee, and Sammy Callahan. And joining us right now is Sammy Callahan. And, and Sammy, uh, first of all, thanks for joining us this morning. I know this is a difficult show at a difficult time, and I appreciate you joining us this morning. Hey, how you guys doing? Uh I wish I was joining you on a different set of circumstances, but uh, Brody was a guy I don't think if you pull the entire wrestling world, I don't think one person had a bad thing to say about him. And anything I can do to shed light on the amazing person he was, I absolutely will. Well, I appreciate that. And and I talk about, you know, that match you had with him. And I don't even know if you remember it, that match with, you know, at the Ace Arena in Union, New Jersey. And, you had some incredible matches with him, you know, you know, Evolve, uh, Dragon Gate. Um, you know, we talked about Tommy brought up, the, you know, uh, 2CW, which I know you mentioned on your social media account. Uh, you know, talk about those early matches with Brody Lee. Well, the match at Evolve uh, was in, I believe, Union City, New Jersey, and it was at this small building called the Ace Arena, which was a studio uh, that Evolve would do shows at, a lot of other independent companies will do shows at the time. And it was one of those things, uh, 
I 100% think that match helped solidify my spot with Gabe, with my spot with Evolve. I think I may have had my four or five matches uh, with uh, Evolve and Dragon Gate at the time, and Brody was already signed to a Dragon Gate USA contract. And he went out of his way to make sure we had an amazing match. And uh, I 100%, like I said, uh, will say that's one of the matches that helped make me Evolve at the first style battle. Wow. Um so, that, so, so, you know, somebody that understood, you know, how important it was for you and that night in that match. 100%. He's uh, damn near seven foot tall, and I'm, what, five foot ten, five foot nine on some of my best days. And uh, he made me look like a threat. He showed the entire world that a guy in my stature 100% could be believable against the absolute giant. And calling a match and putting a match together with him was always uh, a treat because he didn't look at stuff from his point of view. Like, I need to do this to make myself look good. He always made sure, get your opponent over, which gets the match over, which gets him over in return. And uh, he always went above and beyond. I don't think I've ever heard of an instance of him being selfish when uh, structuring something for professional wrestling. You know, Sammy, you, you, you tweeted about the matchup at uh, 2CW. <clears throat> 2CW with, uh, it was you, Pac, uh, Rich Swan and, and Brody Lee. And, and again, a match very few people got to see. But if people went back, and it's available on YouTube, if people go back and watch that match, it, it's, it's an unbelievable matchup. And it shows you how good he truly was in the ring. That match, uh, even though it happened for a, in a small building in upstate New York that not a lot of people saw at the time, that match will go down as one of my favorite matches and one of the funnest matches of my entire career. Uh, it was one of those matches where everything just clicked and uh, it, 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 you, you catch lightning in a bottle and it doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter if it's from 100,000 people. It doesn't matter if it's from 10,000 people. All that mattered was uh, the situation of that match happening because it was one of those things. Uh, it was at 2CW, which was the favorite promotion of a lot of your top wrestling stars on the planet today because the guy that ran it, Josh, uh, who was also great friends with uh, Brody, and uh, we didn't even know we were going to have that match at the time. Pac just happened to be staying with me and Rich Swan in the United States at the time, and we had a, a show up at 2CW, and we were like, yo, Josh, uh, we're going to bring Pac with us because we put him on the show. He's like, oh, yeah, I don't know what we're doing with the show yet but we'll figure it out when you guys get there and when we got there he's like yo what about you brody Pac, and swan in a four-way we're like done and it was one of those things we got to the show late not everyone was there and i think we maybe took five or ten minutes to put this match together you just call it once you go out there and see what happens and everything just clicked it's very rare that you have a match like that where all four guys are on the top of their game and i remember we got to the back and uh Pac was like, yo, man, is this how he, I think he had only wrestled in the United States for PWG and Dragon Gate at the time. And I think it was one of those things where he's like, is the crowd's like this in America all the time? Because <laughs> that crowd was electric tonight. We're like, no, dude, that's two CW. Uh, and it was one of those things that uh, Brody being in the match with us just made it that much better because it was such a styles clash of four completely different styles, four completely different characters and it just absolutely clicked. Uh, Brody is a guy that I remember seeing him for the first time. I, I think I was 18 years old, and I was traveling with a bunch of indie wrestlers in Ohio to Pittsburgh, and the first time I saw him was at Far North Wrestling in Pittsburgh, and he was still wrestling under the right stuff Brody Lee character when he was like an 80s retro character, 
And I remember seeing him that day and absolutely falling in love with him. Like, yo, this guy's going to be a star. And within the next, uh, I think, year, he, like, transitioned into being the Brody Lee that everyone knows and loves. And he's a guy that I always looked up to because I remember seeing him when I was younger and then meeting him and meeting the kind of person he was. And he was he is the carbon copy of what every professional wrestler should strive to be in today's uh, in today's entire atmosphere. Sammy, take me behind the scenes a little bit with your chemistry with Brody before a match and in the ring and how easy he was to do business with, whether it was negotiating a match or out there executing it. I, it was a blast. He was a guy that I, I think it took a lot to get him angry. I still remember that match that we had uh, at Evolve Style Battle. And there was one time at, towards the end of the match, I kicked him in the head harder than I've kicked anyone in the head my entire career. And he's a seven-foot-tall dude. He could have ate my lunch right after that. And, no, he just smiled, laughed it off, and it became a joke. Every time I've seen him for years, he'd always bring it up. He's like, oh, yeah, you remember when you uh, almost gave me a concussion by kicking me in the head of Evolve? And it was no bad blood. It was always uh, just being a good person. And you mentioned being a good person, Sammy, and, you know, you look at social media the last couple of days of how many people have have been touched by, you know, Brody and all, all the messages that you've seen. It, he truly defines what a good person truly is. I don't think one person has a bad thing to say about him. Uh, and there's been multiple times in my life, and uh, this is me being 100% candid, that uh, I've wanted to go out and party or I've wanted to get into some things. And I, I thought in my head, and this may sound cliche, but I've legit thought in my head is like, why do I need to go out and party and be crazy? Why do I need to do this? when there's guys like Brody who are 100% successful, has a family, loves his wife and kids. And uh, I, I, I've honestly thought that multiple times throughout my life because he was that good of a person that you always want to strive to be like someone like that. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.